Hello, and welcome to the Chris Shea Podcast. I am Chris Shea. Today, I have a very special treat, an extended interview with mental samurai Nathan Gonzalez. You may remember Nathan back in episode three when he became the first contestant to make it all the way through all 12 questions and the four towers of the circle of samurai. Nathan is an emergency medical technician from Southern California. And in my interview with him, we spent a lot of time talking about his life. We went really deep to learn more about how he grew up basically in the emergency room with his mom, an ER nurse, how he was a football star in high school, only to have a devastating injury take away the opportunity to attend college on scholarship, and how his mother and his future wife helped him turn his life around. And we'll learn more about all the things that happened backstage. There's a fascinating set of things that he went through in his preparation for Mental Samurai on the set and it just makes his run even more amazing. Finally, we'll close out by talking with him a little bit about how the people around him have reacted to his incredible run and winning the money and what he plans to do with it. Uh, I don't think you'll be surprised to hear that it's pretty cool. So without further ado, let me present Nathan Gonzalez. Hello, and welcome to the podcast, Nathan. How are you doing, Chris? I'm doing great. Uh, thank you so much for squeezing me into your busy schedule. I know you've got a lot going on. Yeah, I was excited to be on here. I'm, I'm very happy you asked me to be on the show. I'm actually really glad I was able to find you guys. Uh, thanks to Sam for reaching out to me and putting me in contact with all you guys. Well, Sam has been the MVP of finding people because there were lots of folks. I was trying to track them down. I had no idea where they were, and somehow Sam found them all. I, yeah, I don't know. I remember seeing his run on Matthew Samurai because I was all excited because the show premiered and everything like that. And next thing you know, just some on my Instagram, just a little message saying, oh, my God, you're Nathan Gonzalez. I found you. And it just took off from there. Next thing I know, I'm out of the Facebook groups and – in contact with all you guys and it was awesome because it's just like meeting with old family friends again just everything was right back into that sequestered room we were all in awesome well let, why don't you tell me a, a little bit about some of the things you have going on in your life because i mean one of the reasons that we haven't been able to talk yet is you are like super busy you've got like two jobs you're getting another degree tell me more about what's going on uh, <laughs> So what's going on, uh, I guess kind of the main thing that has been going on in my life ever since the show is, like you said, yeah, I've been working, um, worked two jobs as an EMT, both with side of hospitals. I work over at San Bernardino Community Hospital, and I work over in Chino Valley Medical Center, both working as EMTs. Um, and aside from that, in schoolwork, I got married to my fiance, or I guess now she's my wife. Uh, so we got married January 19th. So I was kind of just, I mean, from October to January, it was just crunch time for wedding planning, final preparations. And so it was just a whirlwind of what to do with it. And the, throwing the holidays on top of all that, it was, it was, it was crazy. But I mean, luckily, some time off from school to celebrate my marriage and everything like that was much needed. So that's been my life for the past six months now. Well, the good news is even though you've been very busy, those are some very good things. So certainly your life is is running over right now, as it were. Uh, so before we start to talk about the show, why don't you talk a little bit about where 
this Nathan Gonzalez story begins. You know, for example, you're an EMT. Is this something you've always wanted to do, uh, helping people, curing the sick? And how did you end up on a crazy game show? Oh, man. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, I guess my whole medical side aspect of my life happened way back when, when I was four, even before then. It's been my mom. Uh, my mom was an emergency room nurse for 25 years, and in those 25 years, uh, I was brought around it quite a bit growing up in the 90s, and the ER was a whole different place. Um, they kind of allowed a four-year-old free access to a hospital because you had to know the proper codes. So uh, my mom, my dad worked the days, and so he'd take all of us from school, drop us off at the hospital, just me and my two older brothers. And where my mom would watch us, quote unquote, watch us while she was still working, she would literally just shove us in her break room with some cranberry juice and say, watch TV until I'm off. But tell that to a four-year-old kid with ADD, that's not going to fly. <laughs> so, yeah. So equipped with all the passcodes to all the doors because I needed to go to the bathroom and back to the break room and to go ask my mom a question and what have you, um, I would always wander into the ER always wanted to see what my mom was doing, talk to the secretaries, talk to the monitor techs, talk to the doctors, see what was going on. And it was just that craziness, that hectic, um, I guess, lifestyle that my mom led. And just getting to see the things that I probably shouldn't have seen as a four-year-old, the, uh, the emergencies, the, uh, the, the broken bones, the blood, everything like that. I just, oh man, from that moment on, you can ask anybody I knew. I always said like, I want to be either a doctor, a surgeon or something. I just I wanted to be in that field. Um, I guess fast forward a couple years, um, kind of struggled a little bit. Uh, I had a football career kind of in high school. I wanted to do football, injured my knee, uh, lost everything on that aspect. Um, just kind of felt lost, didn't know what to do. Um, didn't really take school serious anymore because I felt like school or football was going to be my thing. So I take school serious and just kind of bounced around until from job to job working restaurants, retail, everything like that. And then, I don't know, me and my mom kind of had a heart-to-heart -heart talk one day and it kind of set me back on that path when I was four years old. And um, she said, if you don't want to do a nurse, what what she is, then be something better than that. Or not necessarily better, <laughs> but do something more that interests you. So that's when I said, you know what? I want to do an EMT to kind of get my feet wet and then continue my education and let, let's shoot for those stars. Let, let's be a PA. Let's be a doctor. Let's, let's do something. So that's kind of what's led me here to where I am right now. Just kind of continuing on that path and working towards that. Wow. There's a whole bunch of interesting things that, that happened in there. Uh, the first thing I'm curious about is just tell me a little bit about your football career. Where, what did you have planned? What position did you play? And then uh, after that, I'd like to dig in more into sort of that period of your life that led to you coming to the medical profession. Yeah. So football was, every, I mean, I was a big kid growing up. I was always huge. I mean, I'm six foot five, 300 pounds right now. So, I mean, growing up, like I've always, I've always knew football was something that I could be somewhat decent at just it's based on size alone. Um, but growing up, all those pop Warner, everything like that, my, one of my brothers was able to play because he was able to fit in the weight restrictions that they had. Apparently if you're 12 years old, weighing 160 pounds already that you're not allowed to play with other 12 year olds cause you're going to hurt them. But I mean, what was I supposed to do? I was already like 
I don't know, like five, six at that time. But I knew football was something I was interested. And so I finally got my shot in junior high where I was able to play flag football, not necessarily tackle football, but it was something. But I knew once I got to my freshman year of high school that it was going to be game on. It was going to be something I definitely wanted to do. And so from high school on, um, at my high school, I went to Altaloma High School freshman year. All freshmen aren't allowed to go on to varsity. So we had to play our year as a freshman level team. Um, but that being said, afterwards, I, uh, my sophomore year, I was on varsity. Uh, fortunately, I didn't get to start, but that was kind of, uh, I guess, short-lived as my junior year, my senior year, I went on to start. Um, I got, I guess, uh, honored. I don't know how you want to say that as like one of the top prospects coming into my senior year. Um, during my junior year into my senior year summer, I started getting letters from various colleges um, asking me to come out. Uh, one was uh, Colorado State. Uh, one was Utah State. Uh, just different letters started coming in. Everything looked like it was going to be amazing. Um, my coaches were very high on me, definitely wanted me to uh, kind of work on my body. So I took that in mind. Um, I remember within six months, I went from weighing 340 pounds and they wanted me to cut weight. So I dropped down all the way to 260 pounds and then they got mad at me saying I dropped too much weight, but they admired the, the commitment and what I was willing to do to do all that. So, but um, unfortunately my senior year into my fourth game of the season, um, I was playing our crosstown rivals, Los Osos high school. And uh, to this day, I have not seen the play. But I do remember it was the third play of the opening series. Um, I was I played offensive line. I probably should have stated that, but I played offensive. No, I, I, I think people would have gathered that from the sixth yeah, 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 yeah. Well, so I in case, okay, uh, yeah. left tackle. I played right tackle. Right tackle. Yeah, yeah. So I was more the run blocker instead of the pass protector. But so uh, we were doing a run play uh, to my side, I believe. Um, my guard was supposed to get the linebacker that was above us. Uh, that linebacker came crashing down through our B gap. So instead of taking him and driving him out, he just gave him a quick shove to shove him out of the way to open up that B gap hole. Fortunately, that uh, linebacker came crashing into my knee. I ended up uh, tearing my meniscus, my ACL, my MCL. Oh. And there went my season. There goes all my letters from colleges. There goes everything. Oh, yeah. So needless to say, I kind of, I guess, fell into a slight depression. I, I can even say that because, I mean, maybe in my head I didn't want to admit that I was depressed. But, I mean, I guess all my actions and taking things not as serious as I should have kind of led me now looking back to think that I was, yeah, in a little bit of a depression. Yeah, well, that's that's understandable. I mean, you were a Division One offensive line prospect, full ride scholarships coming, and then to have that all taken away in an instant is just brutal. Yeah, definitely. So I can understand those, those dark times. Now, fortunately, you had your mom, and she was able to to pull you out of that. How? Also, tell me about your your wife. Uh, how did you guys meet? Was she there during this time? Did she know you before the injury? After the injury? So, yeah, so I guess, to be honest, looking, I, I think my lucky star is that 
maybe this was meant to happen because it was probably two weeks into my injury on a Friday night. I couldn't be at the game because I was still recovering. Or, uh, yeah, I remember something along those lines, but I remember uh, MySpace. Yeah, MySpace being a thing. And um, just looking at people you may know or however the heck it would have gone. And I remember seeing this cute, cute girl. And I'm like, why do I not know this girl yet? She knows all of my friends. Kind of find out she went to my school, which was kind of news to me because I've never seen her around. Gave her a little message. And that kind of sparked me and my wife's relationship. So we were high school sweethearts. Um, and yeah, so that's probably the one good thing that came out of me injuring my knee. And you know, one of the great things about that as well is you know, if you're a famous athlete, you always wonder, you know, are people with me for me? Are they with me because of my athletic ability and all the things that are coming my way? And she was drawn to you in your lowest moments. Oh, yeah. And that's really says says a lot about her. Definitely. She was the first person I saw when I woke up from my my surgeries and everything like that. She was right there and uh, she never left my side ever since. That is incredible. So now you are you put your life back on track. Your your mom says, "Hey, you know, why don't you return to these things that you really loved so much when you're young and you start your work as an EMT." Yeah. What's that like? Because, you know, you figure there's like these crazy stories and all sorts of insane stuff that happens. What's that life like? So, you know, I'm going to, I mean, you could talk to me and I, I'm not going to lie. Like, um, I don't know. Like every time I see people doing interviews on TVs and, or doing all these other things, I always talk about how crazy, how this and all the things they see. And I don't know what areas of the world they live in or, how, uh, how dense the population or what kind of traumas or what level of a hospital or what kind of things that they are seeing. But for me, um, I never had any of that. <laughs> not going to lie. Uh, I, I started my EMT career as a BLS transport. That just means a basic life support transport. So it's two EMTs on a sardine can of an ambulance. And we take people from point A to point B. And all it is is just we're glorified uh, chauffeurs. So we're just taking them to their appointments. We're doing this and doing and uh, taking them from dialysis back to home or from like home to a, a checkup and things such as that. So nothing ever got crazy on those kind of, uh, during that first EMT job of mine. And it was something I hated. Uh, it was something that was uncomfortable. Like I said, I'm a huge guy being stuck in a sardine can for 12 hour days is not something my back enjoyed at all. No, it's not good. And <laughs> no, I needed I needed out of that in the worst of ways. And that came in the form of my first hospital finally contacting me saying, hey, we want to hire you as an emergency room technician in ERT. Um, that, was, that was great. I feel like that gave me way more experience. That opened my eyes to way more... Um, stories and and seeing the inner workings of hospitals and and just their correlation and their kind of a their relationship with the community and um some is good some is very good and some of it is bad i mean i'm sad to say that so many people abuse the ems system it's the, i think the abuse of the ems system has kind of left me jaded at a couple moments but there are those times that kind of 
those sick people come in, those sick kids come in, those, those real life emergencies that definitely bring me back to like, yeah, okay, this is, I remember again, this is why I do it. And thankfully I have one of those moments probably each week. It's because there are, there are definitely times where I'm just like, oh, man, this is just another day of people just coming in because they're drunk or they're coming in because they have overdosed on something. And, but there's, like I said, there's those times where people come in with serious, serious life-threatening ailments and, you you have to though you have those feelings on the back of your mind you still have to stay sharp in the point of recognizing what's false and what's fact yeah well it sounds like you see both the best and worst of humanity in your work Mm -hmm. that must be yeah something that really affects you and then i believe we were talking about this before we started recording you actually are, are studying for your degree and you're planning on becoming a PA, a physician's assistant. Can you talk a little bit about that? So I think along the lines of what kind of pushed me more towards my medical profession or my medical dreams and hopes is um, my uh, orthopedic surgeon that provided my surgery to fix up my knee and everything like that. Don't get me wrong. He was a great surgeon. He did everything like that. He did well on my knee. But it was the physician's assistant. He was the one I, I came to for my follow-up appointments and everything to make sure what everything was on track. And there was something about him that just kind of made me feel like I like this guy. And then once I found out, like, I kept calling him doctor and everything. And I think it was one of the last appointments with him. And he was like, you know, you keep calling me doctor. I'm not a doctor. And I was, was kind of awestruck. I'm like, well, what do you mean you're not a doctor? He goes, no, I'm a, I'm a physician's assistant. And I had no, at that time, like I never even heard of a physician's assistant. I was only 18 or, I mean, I was 18 and I'd never heard of one. My mom never really explained what they do. So I remember going home talking to my mom. I'm like, well, what's the difference? And she's like, honestly, nothing. They're right there with the surgeons. They do just as much. They know just as much. It's just, um, they operate under a different set of rules. And ever since then, I, that was always in the back of my mind, like, oh man, being an orthopedic PA would kind of be pretty awesome that seems like something i would definitely like to do and so fast forward to where i am right now in my schooling i'm finishing up my undergrad in hopes that i can get my uh go into a physician's assistant program and obtain my master's well that'll be fantastic i think a lot of people don't realize just how much physicians assistants do and pretty much if you're a pa you're doing 95 percent of what a medical doctor would do. And it really is one of the things that's helping our healthcare system scale. The presence of PAs and and nurse practitioners is helping us keep up with the incredible demand. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, I work, like I said, I work in an emergency room. So I'm hand in hand with doctors and PAs and nurse practitioners. And I think one of, probably one of my best friends right now, he's a PA, I, I mean, and then we hang out as much as we can. And man, that guy, like the brightness level on these, on these physicians and PAs and NPs are just ridiculous. And they're, they're, they're definitely inspiring. Well, I do want to point out that you yourself are a pretty bright guy, as can be seen by the <laughs> fact that you're the first mental samurai to be crowned. And there were a lot of really smart people who came in as contestants who certainly didn't make it to that level. Man, you, you're not kidding. I remember just the first day uh, being in that room, the producers talking to you and hearing everybody's story and what they are and Mensa this and Mensa that and PhDs and all this. And I'm just sitting there and I'm like, here I am 
I don't have a degree to my name. I'm an EMT. How am I possibly going to compete with these people? And you beat them all. I guess so. <laughs> yeah. I always tell people, they're like, oh, man, you must be very smart. I'm like, either that or very lucky. I have no idea. <laughs> I'm guessing that it's a bit of both. I think that anybody who wins on the show has to have at least a little bit of luck, although I don't think you really needed it during your run, and we'll, we'll get to that later because it was just incredible. Yeah. But you know, certainly everyone in that room was very intelligent. Otherwise, they wouldn't have been brought in by the casting team. Yeah, for sure. And again, it's just, uh, let's start, for, we talked about PhDs, we talked about that. Let's not forget astronauts, yes. Olympic gold medalists, yes. I mean, good God. Yeah, man, it's, I mean, MMA fighters too. I mean, they just, they grabbed everybody from every corner of the world and just said, let's shove you all in a capsule and spin you around and let's see how far you go. So how did they find you? Uh, what do you were you at the hospital and you saw a little flyer saying, "Hey, would you like to be put in a robotic arm?" What happened? Okay, so funny story. Um, me and my cousin growing up, we would always hang out at her house and play video games, board games, card games, uh, and we'd watch TV shows, uh, TV trivia games, everything like that. Um, one night we were, I was at her house and we were watching Hollywood Game Night. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with that show. It's, um, you forget, um, Jane Lynch was the host and it was just two people and they're paired with celebrity, um, a celebrity team and they have to answer various pop culture questions, everything like that. Um, I would always compete along with the show. And finally one night my cousin was just like, why don't you just like apply to be on that show? And I'm like, nah, I'm not going to get on that show. She's like, why not? You're an EMT. Like, that's interesting. I was like, all right, maybe, yeah, let me do it. Jumped on the computer, made a profile that night, applied. I would say a week later, I got an email saying, hey, we saw your email. We want you to try out to be on the show. And I was just kind of blown away. Like, it can't be that easy. Um, within the next couple of days, they were calling me, FaceTime interviews, Skype interviews, um, playing the game with me on Skype to see like how good I was, if I was animated, if I was this, if I was that, to the point where they asked me to come down to Burbank to film myself playing these games and acting out like, oh, I guess how well I am on camera. And from that point, I never got an email again. It was just, <laughs> I was like, man, I must really suck on screen. And, and that was it. And I never heard from that again. And I was like, man, that was my one and only shot to be on a game show. And I blew it. Um, I would say two years after that, no, probably even longer, um, probably two years ago. So I don't know. Anyways, I got an email from a casting company saying, hey, we saw your tape from a previously recorded uh, game show you tried to be on. We think you'd be perfect for this new game show coming out called Beat Shazam. Are you interested? And of course, I don't hesitate. I'm like, heck yeah. I don't I, terrible at music you can ask my wife i make up my own lyrics and everything to every song but i was like yeah why not why not try to be on that um so I, of course i went through the motions again and they messaged me saying cool the film dates are going to be from this day to this day i don't know if the gods were just against me because i had booked a flight to hawaii from those exact recording dates oh man yeah so i could not be on that show and i was so mad i'm like dang it man i just i'm just not meant to be on a game show 
So fast forward to this past summer, um, I was talking to my wife and I was just telling her, man, I really, really want to be on a game show and I just keep missing it by inches. I should try to find that email in my old emails and try to reach out to those casting directors and say, hey, I'm still interested if you have a show for me, something. And she was like, do you think that'd work? And I was like, I don't know, but it's worth a shot. So I did email them, but the very next day I get a phone call. Hey, this is so-and-so from casting, blah, 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 blah. We have a new show called Mental Samurai. Are you interested? I mind you, I was at work and I was just like, yeah, yeah, I'm interested, uh, but I got to go. <laughs> so uh, they called me the next day. I started going through the whole interview process, the FaceTime interviews, the phone interviews, the Skype interviews. Just keep, I just kept moving on along and to the point where I got a message from my own personal assistant or whatever the heck they're producing assistant. And at that point, when I got somebody assigned to me, I was like, oh, cool, I'm on the show. But I had not got, gotten that official email saying you're on the show, but I was already telling people I'm going to be on the show. So I guess I kind of counted my chickens a little too early, but I mean, it all worked out because a couple of days later, I finally got the email saying, congratulations, you are on the show and please come to Burbank on these days to start filming. And yeah, I guess the rest they say is history. Well, that is fantastic. It's funny. It's, it's a lot like my story because I had gotten an email that my sister had forwarded me. She used to work in the industry. I'll go into greater detail after I have my run and, and probably Joey or Sam interviews me. But it was one of those instances where I did a bunch of interviews, then nothing happened. And then years later, I got this outreach and they said, hey, there's this show called Mental Samurai. Would you be interested? And in my case, the casting director, the original one I worked with way back when was the show's creator, Jeff Aploff's niece. And so I think that's how the connection got made. So she was a casting director. And then, of course, Beat Shazam is also from this production company, Arthur Smith. And so they were no doubt keeping tabs on you and thinking, we think there's a place for this guy on television. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, yeah. So I think what kind of put it all together, how you just said the whole Beach Shazam being tied to the Mental Samurai as well, is I think something you just posted recently was uh, saying that they're trying to pitch their various shows overseas too. And I just, I remember seeing a couple of the shows mentioned. So I thought that was pretty awesome. And I hope that actually works out because I'd love to see that. I think it would be great. They're a very successful production company. I mean, you've got Beach Shazam, American Ninja Warriors. So they've done a lot of cool stuff over the years. Definitely. So let's get to actually being at Mental Samurai. So you go to Burbank. You're local to Southern California, at least. So it's not this crazy, you got to fly across the country. But what's that experience like? And what were the things that were running through your mind as you were getting ready to actually do this, to finally realize this dream? So it's 100%, the thing that was on my mind was, please let me fit in this machine. <laughs> I'm not even lying to you. So obviously I'm, I'm in the process. I'm going to get married. I, I went through this, through this whole weight loss thing. Cause I, I remember, um, about a year, no, no, uh, last January, I would say I came in and I was weighing 350 pounds and I needed to lose weight cause I'm going to get married in a year. So fast forward to mental samurai recording time. 
I had dropped 50 pounds. So I was feeling pretty good. I was, I was walking around like 296 to 300, depending on if I ate a cheeseburger or not that day. So my producing assistant calls me and she says, how much do you weigh? And I said, I weigh 298 because I had just stepped on the scale. And she said, okay, don't eat anything for like the next two days. And I said, what? She said, yeah, you are pushing the weight limit to be on Ava or the, the machine. And we need to make sure that you can be honest. We've already gotten this far, so we need you to be on the show. So just kind of watch what you eat. So all the time I'm thinking oh man, this seatbelt or contraption, I'm not going to fit in this thing. And I'm freaking out. So I'm like, this is what's going to like do me in, huh? Just my own weight, my own size is, this is not going to be fun, man. That's what I'm thinking about. And so <laughs> getting in and then I have my clothes and the whole process is just kind of like a whirlwind. They, they tell you to go to this room, check in here, go bring your clothes over there. Cause someone's going to tell you what looks good on you and what doesn't. And it's just, it's, it, it was a lot to kind of take in the whole time. I'm kind of just wanting to be like, uh, does anybody else want to get a drink? Cause I kind of need one right now, <laughs> but I mean, everything just, it seemed like it went so quick. And then next thing you know, I'm in my room, just kind of hanging out. And then uh, there's a knock on the door saying, we need to take you for your interview and let's get out of here. And it's just, it's all business. Everyone there just seems to be kind of escorting you from what you need to do next and i mean me I'm, I, I like to talk and ask questions and it seems like nobody can give me answers to the questions i want to i want to know but i mean overall like i would i tell everybody like i would do it again even if like i lost because it was just so much fun and just so cool to see the inner workings of how a show is developed Absolutely. It was a lot of fun interacting with the crew and, and the, the people who were handling everything and seeing the inside. Also, it was just great meeting these other competitors who, uh, I don't know if, uh, I think that this was on a different day, but I remember talking with some of the crew and they were saying, oh yeah, you know, this is the same place where we hold the ninjas sometime, the American Ninja Warrior competitors, but it's totally different watching you guys versus the ninja competitors because the ninjas are just like, I'm going to go out there and crush it. And they're doing like push-ups and and meanwhile we're sitting around we're playing games some we finally got permission to play cards against humanity jenga and all these other things and apparently that's very different than the american ninja warriors oh yeah uh, i remember um doing the interviews and i remember i kind of i guess it's a weird thing to get starstruck about but just being on that set because that's where they film the uh the sports science segments and i was like that's right and i was just kind of like oh my god i know this place like OBJ was just right here. And I just remember like Colin Kaepernick throwing passes right here and Larry Fitzgerald and kind of thinking about all the NFL stars that have been in that present film location. And I was just kind of like, this is so cool. And I'm getting the film right next to them. So ipso facto, I've hung out with them. Yeah, no, and it is really cool. <laughs> and then it's also like, you're like, wait a minute, this is the set that they film it on? This looks kind of cruddy. I can't believe they make it on TV. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh-huh. But man, I guess that's the magic of TV. So we go through this entire process. It's arduous, but the day finally comes. When during the day did you end up going on? Were you able to go earlier? Was you one of the guys who had to wait until the end of the day? No. So I, I, I kind of, I got on early. I for sure got on early, which I guess early is relative. I mean, because from what I had heard, people, they were filming till like two in the morning the, per, the previous day. 
And um, so I remember going on, or I guess, I mean, I don't know how they did it for you too, which kind of bummed me out because they brought us on to the circle. We kind of looked at Ava and everything like that. And then they filmed us doing walkouts. Mm -hmm. They made us do multiple walkouts, which they didn't. I haven't seen them use them yet, but uh, I mean, whatever. Um, but I think on my film day, I was in the first group, thankfully, which I, I guess I put myself in the second group because I missed the bus oh. for the first group that I was supposed to be called on, and so then they actually had to pull like get a second golf cart to go and find me and put me over back to my first group. <laughs> So uh, then they put us all in alphabetical order or whatever order that they need us to go on. And um, I think on our film day, I want to say I was probably the sixth or seventh contestant to go on. And you were on Monday probably? I believe, yes, yes, I was on Monday because I guess I didn't realize that I was supposed to stay Tuesday into Wednesday. So I just went home. <laughs> And they're like, wait, why didn't you stay in your room? I'm like, they told me to check out. So I checked out. But yeah. Um, let's see. So yeah. So I did film Monday for sure. Great. So take me to that moment you're getting strapped in. First of all, obviously it fit. Were there any issues there? Not a problem at all. Yeah. So actually, um, right before the moment I went on, uh, another gentleman went on before me. And I remember my producing assistant, as whatever, she tells me, you're about to go on, get in the headspace you need. So I go back to my old football rituals. I kind of need a moment to myself, do some stretches, kind of get my mind right. And I'm ready to go on. And he breaks the machine. Oh. He broke the, the lock it in lever. And then they halt production because they need to get a new lever. They need to do this. And now I'm like, well, um... I'm out of my mindset again. Like, And then after that, because he broke it on the one he got wrong. So then now they're getting him off. They're fixing this. And then now they're trying to throw me in this. And as they're strapping me in now, so I'm kind of like, all right, hopefully this lever doesn't break on me. And these guys strapping me in are like, you're the biggest one we have so far. And I'm like, oh, man, don't say things like that. <laughs> and then I got the crowd in the background saying, is he going to fit? He's huge and all this stuff. And I'm like, Oh man, you guys are jerks. <laughs> luckily, everything fits. Like I feel good in the machine. Like I feel like I'm not like suffocating in it, which I don't mean. I, I hope it doesn't look like I'm squished in it. But I mean, I feel good. And yeah, so they do the whole thing. They take me to Rob, and I'm just I'm so excited. I, I don't know what to say. It's usually, when I get too excited, like so many words want to come out at one time that I, I just feel like I'm losing my breath and kind of like don't know what to say. So luckily they kind of filled me looking somewhat able to use my mouth. So that was nice. <laughs> well, you got to remember to tell people, you know, muscle weighs more than fat. So that oh, exactly. I was able to exactly. fit in. It's, it's all muscle. Mm -hmm. And one of the things uh, I've, and I don't know if you had a chance to listen to the podcast where I recapped your episode, but one of the things that really impressed me about the way you were able to just tear through the course, besides the fact that you were able to finish so quickly, is that you really seem to be having a lot of fun out there, right? In between 
the the different questions as you're being moved around, you really seem to be enjoying it and really doing a good job of staying relaxed, which is incredible considering the stress you were under right before you got in. Yeah. So you get into this thing and I feel like I probably have the same thought process as every other contestant has, which is don't get the first one. <laughs> and, and that's the only thing I can think about. And as soon as we go and the machine starts going, I, I'm just like, you know what? Let's have fun with this. Like everything about like, don't get it wrong. Just kind of goes out the door. And like, and I feel like they threw me just a soft pitch for the first question and I get it right. And I'm like, awesome. I got the first one right now. Let's just, let's just, let's build on this. Let's have a good time. Like smile and enjoy yourself. And that's all I could think about for the next series of questions that go on. Well, let me tell you, you are a natural out there because one of the things I've talked about in my analysis of the show is there's this balance because the producers and various folks probably told you, just like they told my group, listen, talk it out, do your best to really make sure that people can see what you're thinking. So they're not saying you know, blow your chances at winning in order to get on television, but there is this inherent tension between being interesting to watch and talking it out versus being able to finish on time. Yet, because you were able to really focus on letting your personality out between the questions, I thought that you really came up with a great way of doing it, even if it was just instinctive. It was, I, I guess that's how I've always, I've always been. And when, it, when I approach various like uh, competitive sports or games or anything like that, um, and, and you're right, they're, they're always saying like, talk it out, do this, do that. And even while playing the game, they're continuing to tell me to talk things out. And I chose to ignore that, I guess, because it's, it's a time sensitive thing. And why, and I, I guess while playing, I felt like, why do I need to read it out loud and waste more time where I can easily read it in my head? I can hear Ava reading it out to me. And as she's reading it out and I'm reading in my head, I'm already trying to devise how to solve this thing. And, and you're 100% correct. I felt like after I got it right, that's when I got excited. Whip me around when I can't do anything, when I, there's no question presented. And I would definitely have fun and try to pump up the crowd. And that's, that was my mindset. And so, like, you're, like I said, that the more I was going along and the more I got things right that's when the excitement level and let's keep this going and i guess my personality started to show throughout yeah no i think it really came through loud and clear the crowd was incredibly pumped they were so excited oh, to watch God. you going through this and you, i think that the cheering of the crowd helps lift you up and just like being a an athlete again right you know you hear the crowd and all of a sudden you get that extra boost of energy oh 100 was there any point during the run when you were worried because frankly there was like one question where maybe it took you an extra couple of seconds but you just tore through were there any ones that you were worried about uh, i think it was the second question i had and the second question I had was, um, I think it was sequencing or uh, where I had to put the three pictures in alphabetical order. And it was a ghost, a skull and a witch. And they were already in order. Yeah. <laughs> and so then I'm like, OK, that's wrong, then. There's got to be more to this. And I just remember thinking like, OK, the, the, well, the, the witch is green. So is it green witch? And, and the ghost has like, it's white. Is it white ghost? 
And I think that was the one, probably one of the few times that the producers being there was just like, think about it. Just when they're trying to tell you to like read it out loud and do all that thing. And I remember recalling to myself, um, when we're all shoved in a room where one of the producers is saying, the questions are as easy as they appear. Do not open questions. Exactly. There is no trick questions. What you see is what you get. And so then I just said, you know what? No, it is in order. Let's just answer it how it is. And I guess I I even think like in my voice, I'm kind of like hesitant, like, uh, let's see if this works. And it worked. So yeah, I think that one. And I believe the very next question, I think, was the Vanity Fair one. Mm -hmm. And that one kind of threw me for a little bit too. Um, More so because I knew... I guess I can't say I knew what it was because I was trying to think of magazines before I was thinking of what are the two photos. And I remember seeing a circus and I was like, wait, no, 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 that's a fair. And then thankfully my wife's an interior designer. So she shoves vanities (laughs) and armoires and everything in my face every day. So I knew it was a vanity and just clicked vanity fair. So I think those are the two that kind of, Throw me for a loop. Well, uh, again, uh, if it threw you for a loop, it threw you for a loop for about three seconds at most. Because <laughs> like three minutes. You went, I know it feels like longer when you're sitting there, but to the rest of us watching you, it did not take long at all. And then, of course, you go through to the Circle of Samurai, answer all four questions correctly, become the first person on the show to become a mental samurai. So how did that feel? It felt unreal. It felt like someone was just going to be like, haha, just kidding. Uh, it just, I, I don't know. It just kind of felt like this, this can't be happening. What's the catch? Like it, I mean, I, 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 I've never thought of just randomly waking up, going on a game show and winning a hundred thousand dollars. Like why would I ever think like that's going to happen to me? That's not something that I would ever expect to happen to myself. That's something you see on TV. So being up there and actually being in it, I, I'm just awestruck. I, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the opportunity. And I'm just so excited and just 100% and truly blessed to have been given that opportunity. Well, I bet your family was happy that they braved the long drive and the endless waiting around to see you go on their run. Oh man, my family was just so excited. My dad, uh, my dad is so, uh, he's a man of very few words. And especially he's like me, when he gets excited, his words get all jumbled. And that man, when he saw me, he was just so like in disbelief along with me. Like, did that just happen? I'm like, yeah, dad, that happened. Like I won. And just everybody was so excited for me. And it was just so awesome to have them all there and just, be in that moment there with me. I, I wouldn't have changed that for the world. Oh, well, it was a beautiful thing to watch. And I remember thinking I was going to really look forward to seeing your run because we went on different days. So I never got to see your run. So for us competitors, watching the show actually is important. We've never seen most of the things that happen. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I just got done watching Jackie's run and man, she smashed those. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and, I can't wait well, to interview her as well. Yeah, and then I, I'm looking forward to your run because I remember talking to you and just I remember thinking like, man, this guy's highly intelligent. Like he's 
there's a reason why he's here with me. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, and again, I think there are so many intelligent people, but uh, I, I do, I, I feel grateful for being included among that number. Yeah. So now you obviously you are going on to the season finale. We can't talk about the results there. We can't talk about anything until the season finale airs, but the world does know that you've won a hundred thousand dollars. What happened afterwards? What were the reactions of people at work, people around you? What they find out? Hey, you went on national television and won a hundred grand. Oh man. Okay, so I threw a, um, uh, I guess, a viewing party slash birthday party for myself, and I invited as many people as I could possibly. <laughs> and we were all there, and they're watching and. Kevin, Kevin's on my episode. And actually I saw Kevin's run in person. And I remember seeing some of Kevin's questions and I'm like, Oh man, I'm going to blow this. Cause man, some of Kevin's, his were very hard. His memory ones, I, I would have 100% lost. And, um, and so, yeah, my family, they freak out with me winning $10,000. And so then they already kind of had like an inkling, like, okay, why would you invite us to this if you were going to get on the first question? So I kind of knew that they kind of had an idea that I had at least won something. But then in the circle of samurai, each question I was getting right, it just seemed like the reactions were just building higher and higher. And, oh my God, you just won 25,000. Oh my God, you just won 50,000. And to win the whole thing, they lost it. And my phone was blowing up and people texting me and writing me. And, oh, man, everyone was just going crazy for me. And I just and then me and my family who had already known were just kind of sitting there like, yep. <laughs> so it was definitely an awesome moment. I wish there was video of that party because I would have loved to see that and the, the excitement and the happiness. That would be incredible. Yeah, uh, I believe there's tons of photos, and I don't know if anybody took videos, but yeah, it was just such a great party. Very cool. So I'm going to ask you the question everyone else asks you. Uh, again, you've won at least $100,000. What are you going to do with the money? Uh, I'm definitely looking to invest in my future. Um, school is still lurking ahead, and unfortunately with the master's program, working going to be a little difficult to do as well so with this money I'm, I'm definitely investing in myself and in my education and it's hopefully going to give us a barrier that i can take at least lose one of my two jobs and focus more on obtaining my master's degree well i think that is so fantastic i mean it, the the money's come at just the right time you've just gotten married you're going to go for your master's degree become a pa and for this money to be there uh, to, to help that happen that's just fantastic Definitely. So we should wrap up because we run, we've run super duper long, but I know that the audience is going to love it because they're going to love you. Uh, but if they want to continue following Nathan Gonzalez, if they want to know about your continuing adventures, where should they go to find you? Uh, I think I'm now back on Facebook. So they can find me easily on Facebook, Nathan Gonzalez. Uh, I do have Instagram and Twitter. Uh, all my handles are N. And Gonzo, that's just N for Nathan and G-O-N-Z-O 67. And that's for both Twitter as well as Instagram. Was that the number you wore? 67 is the high school number I wore, correct. There you go. And Gonzo 67, everyone. Make sure you follow him on Instagram, on Twitter, wherever you can. Thank you, guys. 
All right, Nathan, I have kept you long enough. You've got two jobs. You've got homework to do. You were doing a test or a quiz right before I got on. Is there any last thing you want to say before we sign off? Uh, watch us all. Just everybody watch us on May 21st for the finals. It's going to be a great show. It's full of great people and everyone from interesting stories. It's, it's going to be a, a spectacle to view. Well, I will be looking forward to watching that and seeing you, could you, Dr. Jackie, Sam, Kevin, Heather, all the rest competing. It's going to be exciting. It certainly will. Thank you so much. Thank you, Chris. Wow. That was a great interview with Nathan. I love the way he's able to really think about these different topics and give these long well-organized explanations of what was going on in his life or what was going on on the set. I really just enjoy spending time talking with Nathan, and I certainly hope that we'll be able to get him back on in the future. I think you can tell he's a guy who we should definitely keep our eyes on. He's going places. So thank you again for listening in to this Mental Samurai interview. If you enjoy the podcast, please do like, rate, subscribe, and share with your friends. If you want to hear more from me, you can follow me on Twitter at Chris Yeh, C-H-R-I-S-Y-E-H. And you can find me pretty much everywhere. Thank goodness there are not as many Chris Yehs in the world as there are Nathan Gonzalez's. With that, I will bid you a fond farewell, and I hope you'll tune in again soon.